I want to talk to you uh, today about picture you in five years, not just one year. You know, a lot of people talk about a New Year's message and they say, hey, what do you want to be? What do you want to do in 2019? How is it going to be different for you than 2018? I want to expand that. I, want to, I don't want to just talk about one year in the future. I want to talk about five years into the future. You in five years. Think of you five years now. The year would be the end of 2023. 2023. Doesn't that sound futuristic to you? Like something out of Star Wars or the Avengers or, or if you're old enough, the Jetsons? <laughs> Can't you get Rosie to do your housework for you by now? 2023, take that little trip with me in the future and imagine if you could picture your own birthday party in five years and what number, what big number that would be up on the cake. Probably have to call the fire department for some of us. Um, for all the candles, uh, picturing yourself. Um, you know, right now, my wife and I are, are slightly older than 50. All right, truth is, uh, uh, come clean, fine. We're in our mid-50s. And as, if we come to the end of five years, we're both going to be around the age of 60. And that's going to be exciting for us. I'm looking forward to that next decade of our, decade of our life because of our grandkids. Uh, our grandkids by then are going to be 11 and 9. We've got a new granddaughter on the way, going to be born in March. So she's going to be close to five years old. And we may even have a new grandchild by then that we don't even know about. So, so I am excited about the future for that, for that, those possibility of the news. Um, I'm not sure whether or not you're excited about the next five years of your life. Um, we were having our prayer meeting, and I was with some of our people uh, praying, and they're getting up in years, and they said, you know, I may be in heaven in five years. So that's a possibility too, but, you know, at the very least, all those aches and pains and, and uh, the, the hard things that it is to be an, an older person as our bodies age and, and wear down, at the very least, you're going to get a brand new body in heaven, and it's going to be awesome. And you're going to be with the Lord forever through Jesus Christ. So I hope you are excited about the next season of your life and that you believe that God has already gone before you to help guide you into the, into the next, not just the new year, but the next five years. So I think sometimes when it comes to the new year and we think about all the changes we want to make, all our hopes for transformation, how 2019 somehow we can make better than 2018, I think the problem sometimes is we think too small. We think too small. And here's a nugget of wisdom. And number one, sometimes I think we do this. We overestimate what we can do in the short term. We come out with our list of here's, how, here's what I'm going to do in 2019. Here's, here's what I'm going to accomplish. Here's, here's the relationships I'm going to have. And here's how I want my finances and all this stuff. And we overestimate what we can do in the, in the short term. Um, of course, most of our New Year's, New Year's resolutions, they go out the window by about the end of January. You realize that, right? Most of it's like 90% true. I have these great, great uh, goals by January 1, and by the end of January, most of them are by the wayside. So we overestimate what we can do in the short term, but here's the good news. Most of us underestimate what we can do in the long term. We underestimate what we could actually accomplish if we just stuck with it. If we just stick to it, uh, we could accomplish some amazing things. And here's part of the trouble, and I'm putting myself in this boat. Trouble is, so many of us have these tragically short attention spans. 
The stick-to-itness is evaporating from our society. It's evaporating especially in younger generations, millennials and youngers, and even in some of us older generations. Because what happens? When we're not happy anymore, we jump ship. We bail out the moment that we're not ecstatic or excited about something anymore. And sometimes we just don't stay with anything long enough to really see any significant impact. That's even true in church ministry. And I don't know if you knew this about pastors, but the average stay of a pastor in a local church now is about three years. The average stay of a youth pastor in a church is about 18 months to two years. So we're already ahead of the game with Luke, and, and, and then in a good way. How can you really make an impact? And here's the question for pastors. How can you really make an impact in a church or in that community or anyone's life if you don't give yourself long enough time to be able to hit your stride. I wonder if the same isn't true in many situations and certainly relationships in many areas of life. We overestimate what we can do in the short term, but we underestimate what we can do in the long term if we just stick with it. That's the heart behind this message. Picture yourself in five years. We're not just going to start a new year going, okay, here's what's on the line between me and 2019. Here's what I'm going to do in the next 12 months. No, we're going to think bigger than that. We're going to go out in a longer, we're going to go out further, not just one year, but five years. And we're going to say, we're going to ask this question, who or what could I be by the time it's 2023? Who could, here, here's your little ditty. Here's your little rhyme. Who could I be by 2023? Right? If I get after it, if I give it all I've got, if I trust God who made the heavens and the earth, the God who's for me and not against me, the God who gave me his son Jesus, who gave me his Holy Spirit, who could I be 60 months from now? That's the question I want to address today, you in five years. Now, one way to think about five years ahead of time is, is go back five years and think about where you were in 2013. 2013, it doesn't even seem like that long ago, but it was five years ago. Where were you? What were you doing? Where did you live? What job did you have? I didn't even know most of you people in 2013. What was different about your relationships? You know, five years is a long time, but it's enough time to accomplish quite a bit. I sat down this week and I just got to thinking with my imagination, what somebody could do if they gave serious effort to their lives and their goals in f uh, uh, for a five-year plan. And man, you know what I did? I made two lists. One was positive and one was negative. And I say that because it can be a real positive list if you choose the right path to go down. It can be a really negative list if you make some bad choices and you continue along a wrong path. But let's start with the positive side, okay? Let's start with some good things you can accomplish. If you wanted, if you really wanted to in five years, you could be fluent in a new language. Think about it. I mean, if, if you could just say, okay, I want to learn a language. I want to learn French. I want to know what Kevin's sister meant when she said, you are what the people of French say, les incompetents. You know, what does that mean, right? So you want to learn things like that. You want to learn, you know, what's that perfume? What are all the perf French perfumes? How do you even pronounce it? Yves Saint Laurent. You know, how do you even pronounce these words? You could learn, you, if you wanted to, you could learn French in five years. And now it's easier than it's ever been. 
This morning early, I downloaded a new app on my phone. You know, it's one of your goals. Okay, do some better things. You know, quit, quit watching uh, cats on YouTube, you know, and, and, and spending all your time doing that and maybe do something productive. So I downloaded an app called Duolingo. Duolingo, and it's so simple. You can spend five minutes a day learning a language, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. They've got four levels of how serious you want to be, and it's all video-based. So all you got to do is look at the picture, and you look at a cat, you say, le chat, le chat, you know, le homme, le homme for the man. Um, Mary, you already look French, so you'd probably master it. So <laughs> that's awesome. So you could learn French if you really wanted to. You know, it, there used to be a day, and I don't know if you knew this was true, in Europe it's still very true, there used to be a day when it wasn't that uncommon to meet somebody who spoke more than one language. Now most of us only speak 75% of one language. <laughs> in five years, if you wanted to, you could be speaking another language. Now, honestly, you know, I've already learned Spanish, so I don't need to learn that anymore. I need to get better at it. But so that's why I chose French or Italian or some other language. But if you wanted to learn a new language and you only spoke English, I'd totally recommend Spanish to you. Because in California, that's just where we're going. That's where we are, and that's where we're going. Um, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9. And what I want to say to you about language learning is language learning is bridge building. Language learning is bridge building because when you learn a new language, you are building a bridge to be able to communicate with somebody else who otherwise you wouldn't be able to communicate with. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some of them. Paul, whatever he did, he was always trying to bri build bridges to people. He said, to the Jews, I became like a Jew. To the Gentiles, I became like a Gentile. And, and he did that because he was trying to reach them. He was trying to reach other people. Five years, you could learn a language if you really wanted to. In five years, you could develop some really practical skills. And I'm thinking of Raul Guerra when I say this, because he's, he's one of my heroes in this area. You could learn some real practical skills. You could learn how to build things. You could learn how to fix things. You know how I fix things? Hey, Raul, can you come over? <laughs> that... Uh, and he's helped me many times over the last couple of years. But you could, if you really wanted to, learn how to fix things. You could learn how to be fairly, uh, a fairly competent handyman or a handywoman. You could learn how to install things. You could learn how to read those directions and actually follow them. It'd be, it'd be pretty amazing. Here's another thing. In five years, you could get a degree. You could get a degree in some academic field if you really wanted to. You could say, this is it. I'm going to get a degree. I'm going to go back to school. Uh, yeah, I think most of us, you know, we got through high school in four years. If you got through high school in four years, some of you weren't even hardly paying attention. You could probably get a degree in five years if you really wanted to. You could have a whole different world of opportunity open up to you if you took advantage of it. And, and hopefully the credentials of whatever field that you go into, that would be, be able to open some doors of opportunity for you to get a marketable skill, uh, to figure out what you love to do and then do it and get actually find people to pay you to do what you love to do because you have a marketable skill. God gave you something that you're really good at. So if you figure out that you can get to a place where people to pay you, they'll pay you to do that 
then you'll figure out something to do so well, they'll actually listen to you. You'll have expertise in an area. And it's not in just the industry you want to be in. Well, if you're not in there now, in five years, you could be if you really dedicated yourself to do that. So that's what I mean when I say sometimes we underestimate what we could accomplish in five years if we just stuck to it. You know, in five years, if you wanted to, you could master a sport. If you're not a runner, you could take up running, and you could run a half marathon in five years or a marathon. Uh, You could take up tennis. You could take up bowling. I know some people who have done that. These guys are buying their bowling balls now and their bowling shoes. Their their model in life is folk dressing, and they're saying, someday I'm going to get to be like that guy if I just keep working at it. Five more years and three injuries for Falk, uh, we might catch him. So there's a possibility there. You could start to play chess and become better in that. You could play a musical instrument if you dedicated yourself to learn that in five years. If you're disciplined in in the area of finances, if you have a goal of saving to buy something of value, you could, uh, how could you possibly do that? If you just saved $1 a day, this is the idea. If you just save $1 a day, in five years, you'll have $1,825 for saving a dollar a day. Half a cup of Starbucks brew, a small. <laughs> Not e- you know, my brother, he's wrong now because uh, it, the way he speaks about it, he speaks of it in terms of 10 years ago. My brother Jeff used to call Starbucks four bucks because every one of the drinks you buy there costs about four bucks. And now you guys, he's got to change it to five bucks. And I say that out of uh, personal experience with my beloved, because that's one of her favorite places. You could be a teenager, you could be a young adult, and the amount of money that you could save, you could really do something great with if you just stuck to this idea of saving even a dollar a day. What if you wanted to keep learning? What if you wanted to make it a goal to read, let's say you wanted to read one book a month. You know, it doesn't take that much to read one book a month. It takes about 10 or 12 pages a day to read a 300 or 400 page book in a month, right? 10 or 12 pages a day. At the end of five years, you know how many books you would have read? What's 12 times five? 12 months times five years. 60 books. You could have read 60 books in five years. What kind of reading list could you crush in five years if you wanted to? You could read some amazing biographies, like biographies of Winston Churchill, biographies of the Wright brothers, Amelia Earhart, Abraham Lincoln. Just choose people who have made a difference in this world. Read about what they went through. Read history. Read on a broad spectrum. You could read some inspirational fiction. That could be some good reading. But at the end of the time, even if it's green eggs and ham, who cares? But the point is, at the end of 60, at the end of 60 months, you could have read 60 books. And the reason I say this about reading is the readers are the leaders, and the leaders are the readers. So be a lifelong learner. You know, for me, what I've decided to do besides reading a book a month is I've decided I'm going to take a class again. I'm going to take some kind of academic class to really learn something in ministry. I haven't had an academic class for credit in over 20 years. I don't know if you guys are in that boat, but it's been a long time since I've been in a classroom. But you know what? I want to get better. I want to get better as a person, as a pastor, as a a human being. I want to keep growing as a Christ follower, and I hope you do too. You just have to keep picturing yourself and what you could be in five years if you just stuck to it. 
I mean, if you go down five years on a certain road, it'll take you a long way. Now, all I've been doing is describing the positive side. You realize that there are some bad choices that you make that can lead you down a bad road that'll lead you in a very bad place in five years. For example, um, five years from now, you could still be going through the final details of a messy divorce uh, because of years of neglecting your spouse. It's like this one man said. He said, I didn't need to go to three or four marriage seminars. I just needed to start doing the dishes and quit being a jerk. There's his marriage seminar. So all the guys, <laughs> do the dishes once in a while. Quit being a jerk. There's your marriage seminar. You've now gone. Now, as long as we apply what we hear, right? Five years is, long en is a long enough time to get majorly addicted to alcohol. Five years is plenty of time to get addicted to prescription drugs like opioids, which is so dangerous in our country, even a point to where you're threatening your own life, uh, let alone the lives around you who you impact when you become addicted to substances. Uh, Work-wise, uh, if all you wanted to do is just partially apply yourself, just do the bare minimum, don't give yourself at all to your job, not giving your best. Five years is plenty of time to go through five or six or seven different jobs before quitting or getting fired. Five years is long enough to rack up a mountain of credit card debt and get stuck in a financial hole. Five years is plenty of time, and this is sad, but it's true. Five years is plenty of time to pack on 30 pounds. All you have to do is gain a half a pound a month. A half a pound a month. That's like two pieces of cheesecake. I mean, it's it, extra. It's really not that hard to do, right? Uh, it's to gain, a half, uh, to gain 30 pounds in five years. Here's another thing. Five years is, a, is, is enough time to smoke 36,500 cigarettes. All you have to do is smoke one pack a day. And oh yeah, spend about $10,000. $10,000 in five years on cigarettes. And oh, you're, you may be one of those people who say, oh, pastor, are you one of those people who's down on smoking? Are you saying you can't smoke cigarettes and go to heaven? Are you saying that smoking is going to keep you out of heaven? And actually what I'm going to say is if you keep smoking, you'll get to heaven even faster. <laughs> so all right, this is what I'm getting at. This is where I'm going here. Five years is a long enough time to do a lot, to go down a long road that will lead you either to a place of good or evil. Can we at least agree on that? By the time you get to five years from now, you will have enough road that's been traveled to take you a long way, one way or another. If you have your Bibles today, I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, it's in the New Testament, written by the Apostle Paul, and he talks about waking up because the time is short. And if you don't have your Bible or you just want to read along the screen with me, that's great, because it the verses will be up here on the screen. This is all the more urgent, Paul says, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. He said that in the first century. Time is running out. So what are we supposed to do? Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. You realize that our ultimate salvation and glorification is at least one day closer today than it was yesterday, right? Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. For what I can uh, tell from reading Romans 13 here, I think Paul is saying at least this, time is not on your side. Uh, I, so 
if time is not on your side, then I want us to get down this concept of time and how time is so important. He doesn't, Paul says, I don't want you to lose track of the time. I want you to be aware of the time, not just the hours on the clock, but the times we live in. Um, Paul's saying that the night, the night is over and dawn is about to break. He wants us to understand the timing of things. You have been in the church, you know this uh, explanation or you know this illustration, but there, there are actually two Greek words for time, right? There's a time that talks about the hours and the minutes and the seconds that tick away on your clock. That's called chronos, chronos time, where you get a chronometer. Chronometer is one of those fancy words. You look up dictionary.com, it means a watch or it means a clock, something that helps you tell the time right? That's one kind of time, but that's not the kind of time Paul is talking about here. Uh, Paul is talking about a Greek word that's called kairos. That means God's timing. And I want to give you an illustration about the difference between any old time and God's timing. Let's say you're at the airport. You're at the Oakland airport. I'll just give my own life illustration. You're at the Oakland airport and you're at a gate at the Oakland airport at Southwest Airlines and it says that the flight that you are supposed to be on is now boarding, right? The flight is now boarding. They're going to take the A passengers first. And you didn't get on in the first five seconds. So now you're not even an A. You're not even in the A group. You're in the B group. Uh, so, so you're waiting and waiting and waiting. If you just whittle away the time, you don't get up, you don't notice the time, pretty soon there will be a time, and it's not that far in the future, when that moment, that opportunity for you to actually get on the plane that will take you to where you want to go, you're going to miss that opportunity. So that get on the plane time before the door shut and the plane leaves, that's not just chronos time. That is kairos time. That is an important time that you need to pay attention to. Look what he's, uh, Paul says in verse number 12. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of light of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must, leave, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties or drunkenness or sexual promiscuity and immoral living, or in quarreling and jealousy. See, I think what Paul's talking about was what I was referring to earlier. If you go down a dark road, pretty soon that dark road is going to take you to dark places, and you're not going to like the outcome. It's going to lead you to a bad place. And Paul's saying, look, you need to wake up. The time is over. The day is upon us. So you need to start uh, uh, pulling your head out, so to speak, and realizing that this is God's timing, and it's not a time to be wasting. The message by Eugene Peterson puts verse 13 this way. He says, we can't afford to waste a minute. We must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence. We're not going to squander them in sleeping around and dissipation and bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger. Does that describe life for many people? Just loitering, laying around? Just kind of hanging out without any clear direction, looking for the next series to watch, uh, binge watch on Netflix. Ouch, did I say that? <laughs> Loitering and lingering, looking for the next series to binge watch on Netflix. And now you said, now pastor, you were doing fine, but now you've gone to meddling. Paul continues and he says, instead, instead of that wasting your life kind of lifestyle, Five years from now, you're no better off than you were today. Instead of living purposefully, 
We've, we've frittered away the time, loitering and laying around. And Paul says this in verse 14, instead of that dark living, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. How can you look and really be awesome five years from now as you picture yourself? You could radically transform your soul. You could grow closer to God than you've ever been before. Think about it. Jesus was only active in ministry on this earth for how many years? Three years. We're not even talking five years. Three years Jesus was actively ministering on this earth. And look at the impact he had. What if you gave the next five years over to seeking to know the Lord Jesus better? He promised, he said, those who seek me will find me. The problem isn't that we have unanswered prayers to God. Our problem isn't so much, well, I prayed to God, but he didn't, give me, he didn't answer me. Our problem is more like the prayers that we never actually prayed. How much peace do we forfeit when we don't go to God in prayer? But if for the next five years, if you sought God in prayer and you sought God in reading his revelation to you in his word, what about reading the Bible? Have any of you actually ever read the entire Bible all the way through? Any of you ever read the entire Bible all the way through? And you say, oh man, that book is so big. It's so thick. Look at all those books and chapters. How many, I mean, how many pages are in that thing? If you just read, and here's the thing, if you just read two chapters of the Bible today, one chapter in the Old Testament, one chapter in the New Testament, you could have read the Bible through three times in the end of five years. The end of five years, three times through the scriptures. And in those five years, you would have a much deeper understanding of God's word. You could be able to respond to life situations just like Jesus did. You remember whenever Jesus got into a hard spot, whenever Jesus got into a difficulty, his instinct, his reaction was immediately to pull out a scripture from God's word. That's why, that's why the psalmist says, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You're not going to be able to resist temptation with God's word if you don't have God's word accessible to you, if you're not able to recall God's word, which you've already read and put into your heart. Remember what it says, your word I've hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Just having your Bible on your shelf and having temptation come your, come your way, that's not really going to help you because you're going to look over at that book and say, I know there's probably something that says in there that, that will deal with this situation, but you don't have that word in your heart. You need to have God's word in your heart so that we might not sin against him. Today's message is all about making good decisions that point us to God. Let's get to five years from now and let's be excited. Let's be joy-filled about the choices that we've made. Make a good decision today and you will see a good blessing come out on the other side. Maybe not immediately, but eventually. Over the long haul, good things and blessings will come to those who make good decisions today. So look what Paul says in Galatians about making good decisions, about choices and their consequences. You remember what Paul says? Do not be deceived, he says. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that's another word for plants. That's an agricultural term. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. I just wonder as you picture yourself in five years, how different is your life going to be spiritually when you gather together with God's people? Here's a question, how often do you gather together with God's people together in worship? 
right? Consistent worship on Sundays for an uninterrupted period of time. Can you imagine if you were here or you were in a place of worship, worshiping God, say 48 or 50 Sundays a year, what impact that might actually have? If you were gathering every week with, uh, with other followers of Jesus together in a life group, they say it only takes 30 days to make a habit. If you have constant repetition, it only takes about 30 days to make it happen. What could happen if you actually came every Sunday? So my challenge to you is, uh, is say, let's do an experiment in 2019. Let's see how far you can get before you miss a Sunday. And I don't mean like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to be gone next Sunday. No, I mean like I want you to be here next Sunday and the next Sunday and the next Sunday. We're having a five-week series called At the Movies. We're choosing five different movies, and these aren't radical, controversial movies. These are movies that have good stories and good drama, and we're going to find God and His message in the message of these movies. Uh, my challenge to you is to make every single week not miss one of that series coming up starting January 6th called At The Movies. And then just see, just wait and see what happens in your own soul, in your own life. Let me give you the entire message today in one sentence. Are you ready? Sometimes they just give me the bottom line, will you? You know, that's what, that's a guy, that's what a guy would say. You know, you've been talking a lot, but what's the bottom line? <laughs> bottom line is this. The ways that you let in become the ways you're set in. The ways you let in become the ways that you're set in. You know, every one of us has our ways. You have your ways and I have my ways. Our ways of doing things, of, of speaking, of learning, of listening, of communicating. You have your ways and God has his ways. Now the Lord's ways may not be our ways because the Bible says this, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so the Lord's ways are higher than our ways. The Lord's ways are above our ways of, of finding out. But see, God isn't the only one with ways. He says his ways are higher than our ways, but that also implies that you and I have our ways. You and I have our ways of how we choose to react. You and I have our ways for how we choose to speak. You and I have our ways to how we choose to reply on social media. You and I have our ways of when or how we choose whether we're going to jump into something or whether we're going to shrink back and hold back from that. Uh, you, what we accept and what we decline, our ways of where, when we stay and when we move on and go. It's your passions. It's your checking account. It's all of these things. They, your, your personality, your decisions, they all speak of your ways. Your text message history speaks of your ways. You have your ways and I have mine. And what I'm trying to caution you is this. The ways you let in, the habits that you form, the mannerisms that you go about doing your life, the ways you let in become the ways you're set in. Now, what do I mean by that? Become the ways that you're set in. Well, you think of the future you. I think of me at age 60 in five years from now. You know, Jim in, at age 60. What is that person going to be like? Jim in five years is going to be an exaggerated version of Jim at age 55 in the present. The future you is just an exaggerated version of the current you. You know, think about the future. Sometimes we think of it romantically. Sometimes you see the future, oh, it's so mysterious. It's like, who am I going to be when I grow up? Well, you're going to be exactly like you, just exaggerated. 
You're going to be exactly, if you want to know what you're going to be like in five years or 10 years or 20 years, look at yourself and just see more miles on the odometer. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that if you're, if you're the ways that you let in, if you're kind today, if you are gentle, if you are patient today, those things are just going to deepen. Those things will mature in your life. That's why I'm seeing some saints around here in their 70s and 80s, and you're extremely godly people because you have followed the ways of the Lord for years and years and years and years, and now it's just become you. So you're an exaggerated version of a kinder patient, loving, gentle person that you were before and you kept building on that. Picture what a more generous person looks like. Somebody, uh, and that could be you, a more generous person who might just have more leathery complexion. That's all in five years. That's the good news. Well, the bad news is on the other side, if today, if you're cruel, if you're impatient, you will be crueler still. You will be harsher still. That's a message in which you're going to be five years from now. Time doesn't, time alone, see this is the thing, time alone doesn't change who you are. It reveals who you are. It makes you more of who you are. So time alone isn't going to change you. Sometimes you say, oh, I'm going to be different in the future. No, you're going to be exactly like the person who is making life choices today. Whatever your life choice is today, that's going to be your future. We used to say that to teenagers in youth group. You know what you used to say? We say, you know what? You choose your friends and your friends choose your future. Because who you hang out with, the ways you let in, who you're constantly hanging out with, those are the, going to be the ways that you're set in. So if you don't like who or what you've been becoming lately, then you need to change what you're doing. You need to make some different decisions. You need to make some different choices you need to value some different things than maybe you value right now. You need to watch out and be really careful about the ways that you let in before they continue to set in your life. That's incredibly important. The Bible says this is really important because the Bible, the Christian term for this, the Bible calls this repentance, making different decisions about God that lead you to a better future. So let's wrap up what I'm trying to say today. Number one, don't underestimate what you can accomplish if you stick to it. If you stick to it, you can accomplish a great deal, whether it's a degree, a sport, a language, a career, a character. Don't underestimate what you can accomplish. Secondly, again, and I, I haven't said it enough, the ways you let in, the decisions you make, what you let in your eye gate, what you watch, what you read, what you listen to, the ways you let in become the ways you're set in. And then number three, the future you is just an exaggerated version of you, depending on the decisions that you make right now. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And uh, close us out with a song. And before we do that, I'm, I invite us all to bow our heads and we're going to have a word of prayer together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we are grateful for this time. We're grateful to be able to think about some important things, consider some powerful truths. God, we're thankful for the way that your word speaks to us. Lord, you, you say, Teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. 
And Lord, whenever your word speaks to us, it opens up new insights. It points us to a new way of thinking and being. Lord, you said heaven and earth will pass away before your word ever passes away. And so we know, God, your word, your, these ideas, they're eternal. And so, Lord, we pray that your inspired eternal words will be penetrating us and cutting through our defenses. Lord, help them dissolve hardness in our heart. Lord, let your word quicken us to hear what you're doing and what you want from us and what you're inviting us to be a part of. Gracious God, we don't want to miss out on anything in 2019. We don't want to miss out on anything in the next five years. Lord, we want all that you have for us. We want that in the next five years. God, we want that forever. And we don't ever want to have you look in our lives and say, oh, if you only could have done that or decided to follow that, if, if, you, if, I, if only you could have been me, then I would have done this differently. God, help us to, to not go down a dark path. Help us to focus, to be in the moment. Like Paul says, to be alert, to be in the present, putting on Christ and making no provision for the flesh. And so even now, today, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and this, as year 2018 is coming to a close and a new year is just around the corner, I just wondered if there's anyone in this room today is there, or anyone watching online, is there anyone who's been stirred by these things? Say, God, I, I'm stirred right now. God, I, I think you want me to make some new choices in some different ways, some choices that'll help me become who you want me to be. If that describes you today, while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you, if you want to make some decisions that'll lead to a better you and a better future, would you just raise your hand? Is that something you want to do? Thank you. I, I'm with you. I've got both hands up right now. <laughs> this is, I, I want to be a better version of me for in the next five years. This invitation is going out to those also who've never yet made a decision to follow Christ because we're, we're, we're making this case that life is a, is a series of choices. We're talking about choices that you make and where those choices lead you. And uh, if there's somebody who's never yet made the choice to follow Jesus, who's, who's still without a right relationship with God, who's still not yet a full part of God's family, uh, looking to fill the hole in your heart, just leaving, you know, these messages or sometimes you just have this aching sense that you're made for more, that God has more for you than what you've got so far. L Lord, we pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would draw this person to yourself. And of all the choices you make in life, just know that the most important choice you'll ever make comes down to what you will do with Jesus, whether you choose to trust him for forgiveness and eternal life. And so we pray right now in this moment, every person who, who needs to choose life and not death, every person who needs to trust in Jesus, who gave his life for you on the cross and raised from the dead, who, who just in a moment for some of us, sooner than later, who will all be standing before you when this short life is over, God, Help those people. If you've ever been drawn to God who loves you and wants to invade your rebel soul with his grace, if he's calling you right now, I encourage you, let today be the day that you let God in, that you don't block him, that you don't decline his invitation, that you don't put it off. Today, if you're saying in your heart, this is me, 
I need to make this decision. I hear God speaking right now and I, I'm responding. I'm saying yes to Jesus. Just say this to God because God can hear you whenever you pray. Just say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done wrong things in my life and Lord, I so want to be forgiven. I want to be set free. I want to know what it's like, like to be fully alive in you. And so I trust in your death for me on the cross that you rose from the dead on the third day and I receive your gift of forgiveness and salvation. Lord Jesus, thank you for new life. I give you mine to live for you and I pray these things in your name. Amen.